Today is a day of resurrection, and it is also a solemn day, and I'm touched each year by how profoundly full our hearts are that we bring to the sanctuary to remember, to give thanks, and to grieve. So I want to say to each of you, your tears are welcome here. If they're welcome anywhere, they're welcome here. I hope that you won't hide them, that you'll express them, and that you'll do so with the confidence that God keeps them. God keeps a record of our tears. In the days when Isaiah was preaching to his congregation, there was a common myth shared by their longtime neighbors, the Canaanites, that death finally swallows up everything. This myth for them, just as our myths are for us, uh, they were in the air they breathed, in the water they drank. And just as so many of us today might believe in the, the myth of progress or trickle-down economics or the self-made man, so they also believed death swallows up everything. It was just a fact. It just was there. It was assumed, simply understood. This is how myths work on us. Their stories or ideas that automatically shape our lives, even when we don't know that they are. And as far as myths go, it's not just for the Canaanites. This one remains pretty compelling, don't you think? Death swallows everything. We live our lives on the edge of a mall until we lose our footing and fall in. Death swallows everything. To be a student of history is to know this fact, that death and decay finally claim us all. Even whole civilizations, empires rise and fall. From dust we were made, and to dust we shall return. Land and sea will continue to do what they have always done. The earth will reclaim each one of us, and given enough time, the elements will even smooth over the engravings on the granite so that strangers strolling through the cemetery will have to squint their eyes or take charcoal and trace it over paper to see our names and dates. It's a cheerful sermon. I was designed this to be a cheerful one. But when Isaiah stands to speak to his grieving congregation, he says something that strikes them as new. It cuts across the grain of the myth. And now even those who had nodded off by chapter 24 are hanging on every word in chapter 25. What will God do? Isaiah says he will swallow up death forever. And by saying so, he flips a script that has held sway over people for millennia. Now we know that the God of Israel has designs on death. The prophet tells us that finally God will do to death what we've been saying death has been doing to us and to God's creation. It's important to understand this, to recognize that death is God's enemy, and that God will be victorious over death. St. Paul tells us that the last enemy to be destroyed is death. 
I hope that by simply repeating Isaiah's words, some of us can be comforted. He will swallow up death forever, yes. Because you and I, dear friends, have been living through. We have been living through death. Going on two years of a time characterized from beginning to end by death, with a capital D. Each day we're even given a death count. Now there's an official death count and then there's this excess death count that's much higher than the official toll. Death has swallowed us up. Years from now, when we look back on this time, we will remember the frustration, we'll remember the sadness, the isolation. We won't forget. We can only grieve our way through it. And though we will heal, this time will leave permanent scars on all of us. That death has been so near to us, it makes us all the more challenging to have faith in Isaiah's prophecy. Will God really do this? Will God really swallow death forever? I offer you the comfort of Isaiah's prophecy. We have faith that will be fulfilled just as we have faith that this fulfillment has already begun in the person, the work, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. In fact, one of Isaiah's prophecies is no longer merely in the future tense. It's already happened. The shroud and the temple the covering over all of humanity has been lifted. It's been torn in two and was so at the moment of Jesus' death. And this has meant ever since that we can not only be nearer to God, but also nearer to those whom God keeps. This is especially a gift that I hope to share with you today. If this is a part of the meaning of All Saints Day, this time of year, we remember that though our loved ones have died, they are alive to God. And we are alive to God. And we live in a mysterious union with those who have died in the Lord, whom we call saints. But I also want to offer a new understanding or a different understanding, rather, of death being swallowed up. It's also true that to swallow in this sense is to confound or to confuse. And I believe that's the business we're about as followers of Jesus. When we're baptized, we're buried with Jesus in his death, and we're raised with him to new life. Baptism ordains each one of us to follow along Jesus' death-confounding way by the way we live. And God gives us the strength to do it, and God gives us the opportunities to do it. Here's what I mean. In one way, we can confound death by remembering the dead, just as we have been doing today. We light candles, we sing, and we recall their lives and their stories. We remember their laughter. We remember their funny way. We remember the kind of way they would walk into a room and you'd feel the joy just before they'd even said a word. Remember the ways that they tuck us in at night and kissed us on our forehead. We remember the songs they sang beside our bed when we were children. 
or we remember the way that when they were children, they would tug on our clothes and cuddle with us in our beds early on those cold mornings. We remember them with our tears. We confound death by, in a mysterious way, overlooking death in order to enjoy our loved ones even after their deaths. One Baptist scholar, Bill Stringfellow, when he lost his partner of life, said, I enjoy mourning him. We confound death by coming closer to God in our prayers. When we go into our closets to pray, that is, when we go to pray in secret, away from it all, away from the world, away from the noise, and we pray to God in secret, we may enter a dimension of thought and imagination that death can't touch. The monastics, the monastics spoke of this kind of prayer often. More recently, uh, Thomas Keating called it centering prayer. And with centering prayer, we put all our thoughts away in as much as we can about all that we must do and what we ought to do, and even we put away the things that we would ask of God. And we seek God in the silence. And God in the silence comes nearer to us. The shroud that was torn in two no longer gets in the way. And finally, we confound death by feasting with Jesus. Isaiah calls to mind a feast on this mountain. He stuns his congregation perhaps by saying, right here, here, God will feast with us on this mountain. He will prepare it for us, rich foods and fine wines. And at the table of our Lord, we not only take his body and blood, we make it our own, even more the risen Jesus, who has conquered death forever, takes our body and our blood and makes it his own. So on this All Saints Sunday, may we confound death by remembering that when we ingest Christ's body and blood, we are participating in Jesus' swallowing up of death. We participate in leaving death just all the more confused and we stake our claim, along with the God we follow, that the last word will not be death, 